Welcome to the Podcast Advertising Playbook, a show dedicated to podcast advertising. If you're a podcaster or an advertiser and you're wondering how you can take advantage of this rapidly growing space, you're in the right place. On the program, we'll discuss strategies and techniques to optimize your experience with podcast advertising. Hello and welcome to the Podcast Advertising Playbook. I'm your host, Heather Osgood. And today on the show, I have a special guest for you. I have Stu Redwine. He is the creative director at Oxford Road. And Stu has some amazing things to share with us today about how to put together a good ad read and podcast and much more. So welcome to the show, Stu. Thank you, Heather. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. When you and I talked originally, I was just floored by your background. And I know you've been at Oxford for a really long time, but tell us just briefly kind of um, how you ended up in the podcast space. Yeah, absolutely. So I think the the most curious part about it when I look back on my career is that I'm from Kansas City and I started out, I, I'd come to California and then I went back to Kansas City and I started out like working on sets. And I was, I was even in the mixed local out of St. Louis where the, the people that move around lights and stands on sets, like the grips and the electrics are the same people. There's a decent amount of work there. There's a lot of commercial work. And just by happenstance, like I ended up working on a lot of direct response television commercials then. And I think we talked about this the first time we talked. It's like, I look back over my career and it's like this trajectory that I didn't even know existed. But the very first like early days sets that I'm on was performance marketing. Then I continued to work in production and I looked around and I noticed that the guys that were twice my age were carrying the same heavy objects that I was carrying. <laughs> I'm like, wait <laughs> a second. Does that mean? It's like, yes, that's what that means. So I was like, okay, I got to figure out how to be one of the people over there sitting in a chair with a laptop on their lap. So that's what I went after. And I just kept clawing and kept moving up and came to a point where I was either going to take a job at a production company in Kansas City or because my wife and I had been in California before and were convinced there's gold in them there hills. It was like, let's go back to see palm trees. Because when you see a palm tree every day, you know you're on vacation. That's right. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So it was like, and then, I mean, anyway, fast forward. Um I kept producing. I was producing in Los Angeles. And then I began to do some work at Oxford Road. Sometimes I'll say like I was there. I've been here since before the beginning doing contract work. And then it just, it continued to become a bigger and bigger chunk of my business. And it was like, well, you know, do I join Oxford Road or I keep doing this? And Oxford's incredible. The founder is incredible. It's been quite the ride over the last eight years going into our ninth year. And so I hitched my wagon to Oxford and that made all the difference. And there I was again doing performance marketing. And yes, a large chunk of what we do is podcast and radio. We also get to do some TV and OTT stuff now. So some of that stuff from the way back, I'm able to do again. And so it's like, like I was saying on that trajectory, it's like it's all come together and that's the pretty, that's the short version. For yeah. You. No, I, I think that that's, I mean, it's an amazing story that, like you said, that things oftentimes in life do come full circle. And I think it's great that you've had this neat trajectory. The other thing I'm always 
so excited about is talking to somebody who has been in podcasting for so long, because like you mentioned, you've been at Oxford for eight now going on nine years, right? So you've been in the podcast space for quite a long time. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, from early days where it was this brand new space and it was like, you know, the Adam Carolla podcast and trying to convince people that they tapped out on in other channels or or even at the very beginning just to try it out and mm-hmm. to figure out hey do we take over a lot, a lot of us at Oxford Road have um, a background in radio so it's like well do we just cross apply everything from that wow they can do these really long reads I, i'd say one of the main things i think you know with your question of going being a part of it for such a long time and now we're at this place where we ship you know almost 6000 ads a year um going, I've seen a lot of different versions of what you can give to a host for them to do the thing that only they can do. And over the years, I mean, I remember when we'd send them, like I was looking for a stack of paper, who uses paper? We would send them these packets that were so long. And it was like every, you know, every different way, like first, let me tell you about the company for 27 pages. And then here's 17 different ways you could talk about it. And here's the copy, but it's long, but choose the part that you want. And then here's an addendum. You know, we went through that and then we like swing, you know, like all things, right. We swing the complete other way where it's like, I don't know, like here, here's the bare minimum that we could give you, like, do your thing. And now there's a link we, to their URL. <laughs> yeah. Exa- yeah. Go check it out. And now where we've landed, I think is a more balanced spot where it's all about connecting with them, connecting with the host, finding the deepest and most personal connection between them and the product that's being advertised and equipping them with, you know, in radio, it's like 180 words for a 60 second spot, different opinions, 180, 200 words, something like that. Ideally, I try to see a script. I like to see a script that's got an intro, but we've done that onboarding. We've connected with them and then it's got maybe four bullet points that's really, really tight and every word counts. And then it's got your call to action. And so, you know, ideally it's like 150, if I could have it perfect, it'd be like 150 words would be the ideal length to equip a host with for them to be able to do their thing. Mm -hmm. So what I hear that I think is the most important piece of all of this is that connection. And, you know, one of the the questions I had for you was how does podcast advertising and the creative in particular for podcast advertising vary from other media out there, right? I mean, there are so many different ways that you can advertise a business and so many different approaches and what makes podcasts unique and how do you go about putting together the creative? And really what I heard you say more than anything is ultimately it's about connection, a connection between the advertiser and the host, and then really that connection between the host and the product, and then ultimately the connection between the host and the audience. But tell us, you know, what are your thoughts about how it is differentiated? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think like if, you know, I've got on headphones that are over my ear, you've got on earbuds that are in your ear talking with a host one time it's like they made the point think of how close that is how intimate that is Mm -hmm. people are making the decision to listen you're not as bound by time as you are in other audio formats we as listeners really feel like we know these people and so what it does is it sets you up there's like there's three primary ways that we think about 
influencing someone and calling them, you know, getting them to take action, getting them to do something. And Aristotle, you know, broke it a long time ago. It's pathos, ethos, and logos. It's the emotion and it's the reason. And a lot of times that's a conversation. I think it kind of also gets represented as like art and science. The ethos piece of it is credibility. You know, the people that are closest to us that we feel like we know, or we do know, like actual people that we do know, and then these hosts that we feel like we know so well, when they say, I use this and you should too, and they're authentic about it, and you can tell that they understand it, there's no more powerful words in the lexicon of advertising than those those words. Mm -hmm. I use this and you should too. So then you go, okay, the premium is on intimacy. The premium is on them really understanding. And like, if you have a product that's hard to understand, um, I'm thinking of one that we just did recently where it's a software interface. You know, we go to great links to get on a call with them to show them and demo exactly how it works. So you can see that moment where they where they understand and they saw it themselves and they can put themselves in the consumer's shoes and go, you know, because not every product's going to be the product the host can use, but ultimately we're all human and we understand finding a solution to a problem. So you've got to, you've got to dig in deep to mm-hmm. get that aha moment so that the host can make that connection. And then, then they can connect it to their audience. And I think another piece of this is you, you've got to get out of their way mm-hmm. in the host, bringing their personality to what they're saying, which they're going to do. If you try to write in the host voice or you try to be too clever, sometimes you try to write something in a way that they wouldn't say it, or even write something in a way that they would say it. It's like, it's really about getting out of the way so that, you know, there are sales force so that they can do the thing that only they can do and say those important words to the listener. I use this and you should too, or I've inspected this. I've looked under every rock. I'm telling you, for the for those of you that need this kind of solution, I've met these people. It's incredible. This is gonna work for you. It's gonna solve this problem. If I had this problem, this is exactly what I would use. So you guys need to go sign up today. You know, I'm telling you. And because they know them and feel like they know them, they're going to take the action if they have that legitimate need, right? Mm-hmm. Then yeah. then they will. Yeah. So I think you made a couple of really good points in there. So one of the most important factors in advertising and with product sales period is that you're solving a problem. And one of the challenges I think we face in advertising often is that people get annoyed by ads, right? Everybody's like, oh, I don't like ads. I don't want ads. The reality is, is that we all like to buy products and services that we feel are going to make our lives better and solve a problem that we have. So it's, I think, really key to make sure that the advertiser understands how do we communicate that and what is that maybe problem that we're solving. But I also feel like that goes hand in hand with really the the fact that podcasters do very I would say harshly vet the advertisers that they have on their program, which I think is very different than many other forms of advertising out there. I am shocked at the number of podcasters who turn advertisers down. So I do think that there is a level of trust between the host and the audience. And I feel like that's something I would love to just shout from a mountaintop that it is true. And I experience it every day. And in a lot of times I get annoyed because I'm like, 
come on, you guys, like we're just trying to fill your show up with ads. Just take this advertiser. Come on. But really podcasters turn down advertisers. So what are your thoughts about those two components? Do you think that that helps just strengthen the ad read? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, if it was something that was purely transactional, you know, you, you feel that and then you in the break, like the kind of advertisers that are there, like it's not going to fit. Mm-hmm. So the more it can fit the content of the show and the more it fits the hosts themselves, the more sense it makes. This idea of like, you know, you can kind of put anybody in this in this um, kind of old saying is like, you know, the customer's not an idiot. They're your husband. They're your wife. They're you. They're real people. Like we know what real feels like. And I think you're exactly right. There's a premium on this space. It's like the free market economy of thought where if it's real and people can trust it, it's going to continue to get rewarded. Mm-hmm. And if they trust the product and they feel it, that's something that you can feel as well. Now, I think what's weird about podcast, and I see this, is you can also have hosts that, yes, I hear you on the vetting, right? They're vetting it. They're making sure that it's something that they can stand behind. And then especially this comes into play with like dynamically inserted stuff. You know, they do the, they'll do like a pretty dry read, but it still performs really, really well. Mm -hmm. So the way that we approach it is like, look, it will never hurt to dig in as deeply as possible to make the most personal connection as possible. But we're going to have ads out there where, you know, the host is reading it. Just do you need to wash your hands? I know everybody needs to wash their hands sometimes. This soap is really, really nice. You need to get this soap today. Go to my site, get promo code da da da, and you'll get the best soap on earth. Okay. Hey, back to the show. So, guys, we were talking about that. And that ad, like it, you know, performance is performance is performance. So that's a weird thing that that still is at play, but yeah. <laughs> no, without fail, what what we it is never going to hurt for us to dig in as deeply as possible because trust is at such a premium in this space where sure. in more transactional spaces where people are like, oh, gag me another ad that you know this in this space it's all about trust and intimacy, and mm-hmm. so then then you go, okay, well then what can we do? to make sure that this feels as trustworthy as possible. Yeah. And I mean, that's the other thing with Oxford Road is we advertise products that we believe in, that we use ourselves, that we do use. There's, uh, I mean, I'm wearing one of them right now, this shirt, not the sweater, but this shirt underneath. And so I think that's valuable. You know, we vet them really hard as well. So that when we're talking to the advertiser and we're talking to the podcast host, we've We've used it. We know what it's like. We can talk about it because that's everything that's being translated to the audience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So I'm really curious because I I think the example you just gave was perfect. We really lean so heavily in the host read space on like how authentic is the ad read and how good is the ad read. And the question I have for you is obviously like you just said, ads can maybe come across as being bad and still perform. So if the ad maybe, especially from the advertiser's perspective, maybe isn't as sexy or interesting or appealing as they would like it to be, can it still perform? But then on the flip side, are there principles that a host could use to actually create a good ad read? 
So on the first point, yes, absolutely. That's what's wild about it. You know, where we've stacked up different air checks, right? The, the host reads that are at different levels of energy. Like, let's just call it levels of energy where some of them are being read like this and they're just really, you know, straight and dry. Another one's, oh my gosh, I got to tell you about this, guys. It's the greatest thing you've ever heard of. You know, all along there. And then performance numbers on the other side. And then we go, hey, match up which one you think goes with which performance number. And, you know, you can guess it's not, it does not follow. So that's the weird part is that, you know, you can have these super dry reads or ones that don't feel energetic and they still perform. But again, that's where I say it never hurts to push them. So to give the hosts some principles that can guide them. I mean, it's get real, get human. Mm -hmm. Now, look, some of them, they're reading it like this. But when you listen to the show, the show is like this. Right. So it fits. I think right. where the contrast is, you can just go, hey, we want to talk to you about this ad read. I, I think it it goes back to what we were talking about before, which is it's like when you look at a painting, like a really good painting, or you hear a good song, it's connecting to you emotionally. If they haven't made that connection yet, where they can't understand why somebody would care about this, I think that's the most important part. And mm -hmm. there really isn't a shortcut to that. Mm -hmm. I think it takes time and a conversation. And I'll tell you with, you know, so many people working from home and over the past couple of years, the way everything's gone, I've noticed this kind of trend towards a lot of box checking and like, let's move through stuff a lot quicker than it used to be. And it's like, yeah, we did that. We did that. You know, here's the script. Let's go. But across the board, across all industries. So it's like slow. Something we used to say on set, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. You're not hearing that emotional connection, slow down and talk to them. Now at scale, that gets really hard. Mm -hmm. But if it's the podcast hosts themselves and they're wondering and they're looking for guidance on, well, how do I do that? I would say, okay, well, take, take some time with it and really think through and try to feel why would this matter to someone? And if you can't imagine why this would matter, I think that's mm -hmm. the, th that's what the really great hosts the really great salespeople, that's what they are, and storytellers, right? Songwriters do that. Johnny Cash, all the stories in his songs, like he didn't do any of that stuff. You know, maybe some of it, like it was outlaw country, so he could he could misbehave, but he didn't shoot a man in Reno just to watch him die. Right. <laughs> it just but sounded felt, really good. Yeah, we felt like he did. So yeah. I think as a host, you got to access your storytelling capabilities to go, okay, let me imagine why this would matter to me mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or let me feel it myself. Let me do it. And you, you've got to have an open heart. You know, you've got to unlock that part of it. Right. Right. Yeah. One of the things that you said when you and I talked the first time, which really surprised me is that you find in the research you've done and all the different ad reads that you run through the agency, that it is not uncommon for the host to follow very closely along with what you have written in the talking points. What are your thoughts about that? Do you think that the ads would be so much better if the host put in more personal flair or more authenticity? Or do you think that having them read something that's been provided is really just as effective at the end of the day? It can be, it can be. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing the space evolve. It's like, uh, from radio, you know, radio and podcasts, and there's the fundamental difference that it's on demand, but how many ad breaks are there in podcasts in an hour 
right? That number's continuing to go up. How many ad breaks were there in radio or are there in radio? Yeah. So I think that's the dynamic that's really at play mm-hmm. that causes someone to move through it where they're just going to read it straight. It's also easier just to read it straight. And I think it can also be a function of how well we did our job in the onboarding process to make the connection. But to answer your question about effectiveness, yeah, they can be effective. They can still get people to take action, but it's never going to hurt for them to open up and to ad lib and make their own case and do it in their own style. Like right. if we could, if we could have them all do that, that would be magnificent. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. I was having a conversation with a podcaster the other day, and I know many of them feel this way, but not many of them will vocalize it. And this was a show that we were talking about bringing on board and a fairly large show that's been in business and doing their, their show for quite a long time. They said, we decided we really just like scripts better. So if you can get any of your advertiser just to send us a script, we like that. And I was like, whoa, that is a slippery slope. Um, And I feel like, you know, like I said, I think that more podcasters probably feel that way than I realize because there is quite a bit of work that they need to put into creating a good ad. Do you see the industry going in that direction where we would just provide a script instead of talking points? Oh, yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that, you know, just like in radio, what you're going to see is you're going to buy your 60 ad units and they're going to be 60 seconds on the dot and they'll pre-record them. And those are those. And then if you want to pay extra to do a longer integration, then there will be a premium on that, right? The economics are going to come into play. Mm-hmm. As more brand dollars pour into the space, we got to get more ads in there. Okay, well, we got to get more ads in there. We got to get it under control so the inventory can be something we could control. Okay, great. Then that means we got to set a clock. Okay, great. If I got to set a clock, do I want to try to ad lib within that time? No, just send me a script so I can read it, which makes the case for making sure that your copy, knowing that that dynamic is at play, is really, really well written and well structured. And that every word counts and that you're making the way in, that you're making that emotional appeal, that that it's clever at the top and that everything is really, really tight. So if they do that and when they do that, and as they continue to do more of that, it's still really well-written copy. I still would make the case to go shorter on word count because then you might cause that to happen, give it some breathing room. But I think to answer your question, it's like, yeah, I, I, you know, we already see that, like you said, it's, it's a large number of hosts from what we've seen that do read verbatim. And you're just going to continue to see that increase as the ad load increases. I think they're going to increase together. Right. 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 Because I don't have time to think differently about it. Do you think, though, that that one of one of the important elements to me is the CPM? And I know that CPMs can be all over the place, but the value of what the advertiser is buying is that, hey, my audience knows, likes and trusts me. And when I say, oh, my gosh, you guys have to go buy this product. It's amazing. It's going to help your life. Like I'm, it's just like me telling a friend to go buy something. And so 
when we transition from that into a script, how does that affect pricing? You know, even if ultimately maybe it doesn't affect results that much, or maybe it would affect results. I'm not sure, but yeah. What kind of ramifications do you feel like something like that would have? Well, the way I think about it is that you're going to see the price, you're going to see more competition and you're going to see a higher ad load. So you'll see the price go down, You but you'll see the in you'll see a premium put on the longer integrations and so you can pay more for that that's what i see coming is that we'll go okay well here's all the ad units and it's spots and dots and it's similar to what we're doing on radio and now here's these longer deeper integrations where you can pay more pay a premium for the talent to actually voice the spot and go long so it's mm-hmm. like that's where what's been done will be and what's currently being done will be will be done again and all of it's going to be a function of the ad loads going into how many ads can i put into that show and we're kind of getting off the topic of creative but i guess for me then the next step is well why are we just not inserting all these ads programmatically and then we can know for sure that we're getting you know the right target audience and you know, so does that just mean the whole industry is going to shift more toward not buying a show, not buying a personality, not buying an influencer, but really just like you said, spots and dots for just buying impressions. And, and then do we then just get meshed in with every other media out there? Like, is there no differentiation? No, I think it's still different because it's on demand, you know, so that, so that's different. And I think that you've got, with brand safety and everything now and and 100 you know 1.8 million podcasts in the United States we do have to be really thoughtful about that so i don't i think we're in this the future's here in pieces mm-hmm. and so i don't when i am saying you know what's been done will be done again it's not i i, I don't think we're going to revert i think these things are going to combine in a way that we don't fully obviously don't fully understand where particularly with wanting to make sure that an advertiser's not on a show that isn't brand safe, that isn't helping the conversation, getting us all to be able to hear and talk to each other, but is looking to divide everybody, which is a big piece of what we do at Oxford Road through the media roundtable, is to change that dynamic. I think that, that you, you can't just put the, the blinders on and not engage that part of it. So yeah, that's what I think of when it when it comes to that part of it is that you're not going to you're not going to be able to check out because you want to make sure that you're running alongside content that agrees with your brand's values. Absolutely. And I think that that's one of the big concerns that I see more and more is brand safety, right? I don't gosh, I don't think like 3 years ago it didn't seem like brand safety was really brought up much at all and now here we are and I feel like brand safety is brought up a lot. And part of it is because of the very independent nature of podcasts. I could be anybody, I could say anything, and I can publish a podcast and people might listen, right? And enough people might listen that an advertiser might say, oh, I'm going to buy ads on that. Maybe not fully understanding the extent of what they're advertising on. So, I mean, that is, I think that that's a really important piece. When you're looking to as a brand enter the space, are there certain things that you would recommend? Like if a 
a company has never advertised in podcasts before and they're thinking about getting into the space, are there important things for them to consider both maybe creatively as, as well as the types of podcasts that they're choosing to advertise on? Oh yeah, absolutely. I think the first thing to consider is working with Oxford Road. <laughs> a good consideration. I would yeah, I think that. that's like top of the consideration <laughs> set. Okay. okay. Come check out Oxford Road. Yeah, we have a weekly newsletter that we do that's got a bunch of great thought leadership pieces, the media roundtable. So the the two things I would say are creative and then like, what should I consider? Like I said, the effort that we're doing with the media roundtable is absolutely worth looking at. If you were a brand that's looking at getting into podcasting, look at that um, mm -hmm. to see, okay, how can I make sure that I'm approaching it in the right way? And then when it comes to the creative piece of it, it's less is more. The job of an advertisement is to say one thing and to say it powerfully. So it's like have a lot of clarity about, you know, what is our goal here? How long do we have to get there? What is it that we want to accomplish with this? And equip those hosts, like if you're going to do it direct, you know, equip those hosts with the tightest absolute message possible. Look at what's worked in other acquisition channels that you've done. You know, ultimately you're communicating with people asking them to take an action like you've done in other places and sharpen everything up as much as possible. I wrote a article for Brian Barletta on sounds profitable that like lays out, like I'm open-handed. It's like, you know, I don't like all these books behind me are advertising books, like all this stuff, it's all available, but I've really, I really condensed it in that article, you know, there, which is like how to, I think it's like how to write a podcast ad. <laughs> You know, so it's like, I, you know, look at Oxford Road, look at Media Roundtable, read that article. Yeah. I've done all I can for you. <laughs> you know, I wrote it down. I wrote it down for you. You know, it's yeah. like, yeah, the, you know, that's so, that's, mm -hmm. that's my best. I was, it's like uh, Sean Connery in The Last Crusade, the old Indiana Jones movie, because they lose the Grail Diary. And then his son's like, well, don't you remember what you wrote down in the diary, dad? Like you wrote the diary. He's like, that's why I wrote it down. And that's like, <laughs> that's how I feel. Like, I don't know. I wrote it down. Well, and I would highly recommend if you have not read the Sounds Profitable article that Stu wrote, go check it out because it is very detailed. And like, like you're saying, it lays down the process step by, by step. So, you know, Definitely. I, I do think that there are leaders in the industry. There are, you know, people like yourself who've been here and have done it. And you really should be learning from what has happened in the past. And I do think that what you have said repeatedly that I cannot emphasize enough is that put the most important things in your talking point, because Every personality is different. Every person is going to look at something differently. And I do usually think that it's good for you to give some sort of a background history of the company, right? Like what are the important parts that, you know, maybe that person might need to know is just general background information, but be really clear about what you want the host to say in the ad, because we get sometimes like pages of talking points, right? And, yeah. and you're expecting this host who, by the way, doesn't know the first thing about putting an ad together <laughs> to come up with a really good ad read. And if you don't lead them in the direction you want them to go, they're not going to go where you want them to go. So if you can be very concise, that helps tremendously. 
Absolutely. I mean, we, we talk about brevity, clarity, and potency, making every ad, making every word count so that every ad will count, right? Never use two words when one will do. We have a nine key components that we use to construct an ad. First, you want to grab their attention. If we haven't done that, if they're not interested, then then all's for not, right? Then you got to keep them interested. So is it is it an interesting way in? Is it a personal way in? So yes, okay, I'm interested. That's great. Well, what is this thing, right? What Very clearly and succinctly, what's most important about it? What does it do? Why is it better than the alternatives? Why is it better than the status quo? How does it work exactly? What does this thing do? Like what specifically, how does it work? Where do I go to get it? And how, why should I trust you? Why should I trust this company? Like, what are some specific things? Like, you know, you go into a, when you, I always like to take stuff to the extreme. So like you go, you know, surgeon, right? You're going to a surgeon for a life-saving surgery and you, you go into their office and on the back of their wall, and maybe I've had little baby surgeries, procedures, whatever. And, you know, if I go in there and there's like a bunch of those diplomas back there, I've never gotten up and read them. <laughs> Right. But it's got a gold seal. It's got a red ribbon. It says, you know, maybe it's be good. I'm like, yeah, I trust it. Okay. Now I'm not at all, not ever advocating for that, not being real and bulletproof. If I did get up and read them, like it's real. Okay. But using specifics to substantiate your claim, you're, you're making a claim, the fundamental thing I th- that that advertisers are trying to do is be trusted right and that like goes back to the beginning of our conversation trust is at a premium in this channel because yes. intimate because intimacy is happening okay so that means like i need to know i trust you okay so then any facts or figures or anything like specifics that you use it better be bulletproof they need to be real not saying that and then if you can do an offer, all things being equal, that does that isn't always the the case, and and an offer can kind of be defined in a number of ways. It can be a guarantee, right? Can you guarantee your product? But but let's say you can do an offer that it's real as well, and that that if the the if there's a date that it is over, it's over. That if it's in limited supply. Like, I want to hear when I'm talking to an advertiser, okay, yeah, I see we wanted to say limited supply. So how many units do you have? And you're not getting any more? Are there more on the way? Or, right? Mm-hmm. No, and not with the, not in a critical. Sure. Not a, just in a, like, we're telling the truth. Let's tell the truth because trust, because we got them to trust them. And then on the clarity piece, you know, the last bit is like, you know, where do they go and how do they get it? You hear a lot of offers, you know, in performance marketing, you hear a lot of offers in the podcast space. The thing to do, something to keep in mind, just make some real practical advice here. And if you're the host, actually, this is a good one, is if it's hard for you to understand and it's convoluted, like something we talk about is like there's a restaurant and they go, you can get this really special deal. Okay. But you've got to go around to the back alley. Now there's a gate. There's a gate. Here's the deal. You got to climb over that gate. Now you go down. It's a red door. It's the second one. There's another red door, but this is like, you'll know when you see it. Anyway, knock on that six times, followed by two quick ones, and then we'll let you in for the special deal. Oh, okay, man, that's a lot of work, but I mean, what's the, what's the deal? What, like, what, what's it? Oh, you get free napkins. It's like, oh, uh, I don't think I'm going to do all that for free napkins. So it's like, if it's a convoluted path, 
go to whatever advertiser.com slash blah, 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 promo code, blah, 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 and hit the blah, blah, blah. And on top of that, the offer is not even that compelling. If you're the host in that case, and right, you're having trouble computing that this is valuable and that it's clear, like advocate, speak up Mm -hmm. about that. If I was a host, you could, another thing that would be cool, this would be awesome, is ask about like a special line or a special project or a special product, or what could you guys do special? I'd love to do something special. What can we do? Do you have some kind of, you know, whatever the different product might be, you know, what, like, because that, that's going to help it work better on your podcast, right? The more distinct and better and different than anywhere else the offer can be. That's like a fundamental of persuasion, right? Because that builds in scarcity. Love it. Love it. I would say one of the things that irritates me the very most about offers and calls to action are that I buy things from podcast advertisers and I use promo codes and nine times out of 10, when I am on the site, an offer pops up that is better than the offer that I had, you know, and they make it so easy because they're like, oh, this automatically populated. Now you get 25% off because you're a first time customer or something like that. And that gets under my skin so much because I know that we're in performance marketing. I know that it matters if I use this code. And when the advertiser is kind of essentially usurping the other code and making it better, it's like, why in the world would the consumer want to use a code that is going to be for a lesser offer? Do you find that that happens as you're working with clients? Because I feel like when we talk and we work directly with clients, sometimes it's really difficult. And I constantly will say, Free shipping doesn't work. We don't want the same offer that's popping up on your Facebook page or on your website when somebody gets there. Like we want something that is going to stand out and be different if we're really truly testing the value of this, you know, this platform. Yeah, you just made the key point is like especially in testing, that that's especially that's like, in cuz we're going is this thing on? Is this thing on? Right? So we want to know um we want to know what every show and every ad unit is worth something. They're like baseball cards. It has some value. We just want to figure out, stack them up, figure out, okay, what are they all worth? So you, so a couple of things come to mind. I mean, a critical piece, again, like advocacy on the part of the podcast host is to lean into, hey, how are you guys attributing success for this? Mm-hmm. And that also goes back to the offer piece. Like, is this the best offer you guys have available anywhere? I want to make sure we're offering the best, you know, because I really want this to work. We all want this to work because like you said, you've gone to the sites and with the offer you have from the podcast, you get the free napkins and you're like, I don't want free napkins. I want to get, wow, look at this. I get a free dessert. It's like, I want that offer. So that's why. And then on our part as an agency, what we work really hard on doing is at Oxford Road, we do media messaging and measurement. All of it is together. So we're working really hard to understand how hard those ads are working. We're working hard to see how hard the ads are working. All right, we're working hard around here. I want <laughs> we you don't to know. we don't question that, Steve. You guys are you definitely working hard. We are working hard. But the attribution is a critical component and like common to mankind, you know, that the the thing you're talking about, that's a tough one. It's a tough one. We do our level best to try to get the best offer available anywhere. We do our level best to have 
multiple ways of measuring so that we can hone in on what's really happening. But I think, you know, thinking of this from like thinking of your audience going, okay, as a podcast host, I would advocate for a couple of things. Like one, is this offer really better? Well, if it's not, don't stop there. Go, well, what can I do to make it better? Could you guys do a landing page just for my page, just for my show? And I'll make a video. I'll make a video of me trying it on or me talking about it. Could you do a special? Is there any kind of special deal? And like, you know, what I find too is that if you push and push and push and push, there tends to be a way, right? Mm -hmm. Like energy and persistent conquer all things that if you just don't relent, they'll probably come up with something because that's like the whole, you got to get all the way into the corners. So in thinking of talking to podcast hosts, I would go, hey, is this really the best offer available, particularly in a test? And um, then if it's not, get creative on how you could make it better or how you could partner with them or even give them ideas on what would make it better. Because what it's going to mean is if your show works and everybody else's doesn't, you get to continue to tell your audience about this fantastic product or service. But if it dies in that first test, it's over. And you just hit the nail on the head, which I think a lot of podcast hosts don't realize is that they think getting back to what you said, let's check all the boxes, like check, check, check. I did what I was supposed to do. And it's like, you know, well, is showing up on time really exceeding expectations? It's kind of a given that you should show up to work on time or what have you. It's kind of a given that you're going to check all the boxes and, and just do the ad read bare minimum. But if you're a host and you're really looking to retain advertisers, you should be asking yourself on a regular basis, what can you do to exceed the expectation of the advertisers? And what can you do to engage with your audience and actually show your audience that the product that you're bringing to them is an amazing product? It's all about partnerships, like we've been talking, right? It's, the brand needs to give the host the materials they need to succeed. And then as a host, once you get that, you need to make sure that you're doing everything you can to make sure that the brand succeeds. Because Ultimately, we're looking for really good win-win situations. And then, I mean, advertisers will advertise on shows for a really long time when they know that they're successful, for sure. So that's oh, an yeah. important piece. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think, and it's like the office, right? It's a win-win-win. That's right. The advertiser wins, the podcast host wins, and the agency wins. Exactly. Win-win-win exactly. scenario. That's right. Come on. Winning all around. Okay, so the last question I have for you is what, I know you obviously work in direct response, so that's like where your focus is, but is there a different approach when we're looking at brand advertising? I mean, I think that there is so much brand advertising moving into the space, which yeah. I think is amazing. And we want more of that. But how is creative different? Or is it just a totally different beast altogether? I don't view it as a totally different beast altogether. The main thing I think of is how am I measuring success? And how long do I have to get there? So when it comes to brand advertising, what are my metrics to know if that's been successful? And if it, and if we, what you get from the advertiser is, well, I mean, we really need it to work in these six weeks. It's like, okay, it's yeah. Okay. It's a brand thing, but you really need it to perform in this short time horizon. 
that to me is probably the biggest thing is that you can go, okay, well, we want to do, you know, 40% brand, 60% activation, whatever that is. Then you go, okay, well, let's carve out those brand dollars and then adjust our expectations. Are we going to do some sort of lift study? How are we going to analyze whether the brand stuff was, is working and how do we really look at, do we think that that's successful? I mean, I really, to boil it down to me, it's those two critical things with any time that somebody's investing their money into the marketplace to tell the story about their brand or to get a transaction is to go, okay, cool. How are we measuring success? Let's get really, 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 really clear on that. And how long do we have to get there? And once you answer those, then you can approach it the way that you want. So more in a, a brand approach where I don't want to be a salesy I want to build these memory structures, maybe use mnemonic devices to cause people to, it's all, it's Pavlovian, right? I'm training them to hear a certain thing or to think a certain thing or to feel a certain way when they get these cues and I build that over time and then I get my return over time. Mm-hmm. And there's been lots of studies like Les Binet, the stuff that Byron Sharp talks about and how brands grow that over time, the more successful approach is brand advertising because it builds this value over time and it has this Pavlovian component to it. And that activation, pure activation degrades over time Mm -hmm. because it's just sale, 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 sale. All that to say, and a lot of this is in the article there for Sounds Profitable. It's like, you know, all these simultaneous truths that you want to have a mix of brand and activation. So if you put all, you know, everything into activation or everything into brand, you want to have a mix of the two and mm-hmm. you're building the value over time with brand and you're building, you're getting that immediate return with the activation stuff. But to, to get back to the question about like, well, is brand advertising fundamentally different? I don't really think so. Mm-hmm. I think all the components are still there. It's just some of them get, some of them move way down or you don't have to do them as strong because you know you've got a whole lot more time to close the sale or that you're just doing this you're just training them and getting them to feel a certain way so that when mm-hmm. they see one of your see or hear one of your activation spots then they'll take action. And if you ever want to look at advertising Pavlovian responses just come hang out at my house because my children can sing jingles and recite yes. phrases and all you need to do is yes. say the brand and they go blah, 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 and you're like what the heck was that <laughs> yeah i had my yeah one of my daughters came up to me one of our our current advertisers she'd seen a commercial for one of them monday.com she saw a youtube thing and she was like hey dad do you use uh, monday.com i'm like what are you talking about like why are you getting served ads and then she's asking me about a zip recruiter ad she's like hey dad you know um do you guys use ZipRecruiter? I'm thinking, why does she keep asking me what business solutions are using? Like, am I in trouble? You know, and then I go, well, why are you asking if I use ZipRecruiter? She goes, oh, because it's it's the smartest way to hire. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> You're like, like, no, I use Indeed. It's the better option. That's right. That's, That's right. right. One of our other advertisers. <laughs> we do. We do. Yeah. We're very grateful to have them. Yes, indeed. Exactly. That's a plug. That's our plug for indeed there. That's the right. End. That's right. Yeah. Well, Stu, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate your um, insights. And if someone is interested in working with you in Oxford Road, where can they find you? 
Oh, absolutely. At oxfordroad.com, there's a way to engage with us right there. Um, so you can contact us. But I would say, like, reach out to me, Stu at oxfordroad.com, S T E W at oxfordroad.com. We can great. get the party started. Yes, yes. And every time I talk to you, it does feel like I'm at a party. So, hey, it's 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 going to be tons of fun working with Stu. I could promise you. <laughs> yes. Hey, you know what? No, nobody remembers what you say. They just remember how you made them feel. Yeah, 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 for sure. Well, thanks for being on the show. And thank you for listening. I hope that this has been an, an insightful episode for you. I know that it has been for me. And I hope that if you have not tried podcast advertising yet, that you will give it a shot because it is a really powerful medium and it will continue to be. Have a good day. If you want to learn more about how to be a market leader in podcast advertising, reach out to us at truenativemedia.com.